Hi everyone, Rutherford Winchester here. Before we get into episode 2, I just want to express how grateful I am to everyone who listened to episode 1. I'm so confident in the first episode of the Salmonville Letter Writer that I'm going to play my boss's review of the first episode for you on air right now. Hey Rutherford, the reviews are coming in about episode 1 are pretty positive, so we're extending your podcast to an 8 episode order. One thing, the audio quality is a little wonky in some spots, so we're sending an intern to edit it for you. Please don't overreact. Oh, shit, you guys. Fuck, I didn't realize the audio levels weren't good enough for you. Now I got a fucking intern coming. Are you... God, it... Ugh. Every time I get an intern, they always die mysteriously, and I'm never involved, but it's just... <sighs> Fine, you know what? Fuck it. You ungrateful fucks. Here's episode two. My journey in Salmonville has only just begun. If I'm going to get to the bottom of Reverend Malconi's death and reveal the identity of the letter writer, I'm going to need to go back to the beginning. But I can't do that without the letters themselves. Luckily for me, I've made the right friends. My pal from Cheney Day, who prefers not to share his name, assured me that his wife, who works at the Salmonville Records Office, will be able to get me copies of each letter. Hey. What's up, man? Thanks again for this. No problem. Hey, I got that stuff for you in the uh, glove compartment. Ah, nice, nice. All right, how far is that records office? Just a few miles. I have to make a quick pit stop first, so. No doubt, no doubt. I had no idea they keep records office open past 1 a.m. Small towns are so quaint. Yeah. All right, just one before we go. Fuck! Let's get some letters. Let's get some letters. He brought me to the parking lot of a pharmacy, which I thought was strange at the time, but I didn't want to say anything because I had just shoved $35 worth of premium Coke up my nose. Oh, oh, shit, man. It looks like this pharmacy's closed. You didn't need medication or anything, right? Something like that. Okay. Uh, Jesus, why do you have guns? Take one. Uh, What the fuck? What what are we doing here? What's going on? What are we doing here? I don't know, Rutherford. Use your fucking context clues. I I don't want a gun, man. You're taking the gun. I don't want to. You're in this now. You're a part of this. No, I'm not. I don't want to be. You want what I say you want. What about your wife? The letters. Are we going to go get them after? I don't have a wife. I'm sterile. Uh, I, I, uh, I can't do this. We are going inside now. All right. All right. Just, just be calm about this, okay? I just gotta kind of get myself in the... What the fuck? Unfortunately, I was not able to get the letters. I headed back to my hotel after my bullet wound was treated by doctors. I knew I had no other options, so I went back to Randy Peterson, the lead investigator in the Salmonville letter writer case. Hey, Rutherford Sider, kept you waiting. Busy day around here. We had a pharmacy break in last night. <laughs> what? Really? Oh, oh, don't look at me. Nah, that's crazy though. I was in my hotel room all night watching YouTube videos. Uh, okay. I didn't think I'd hear from you so soon. What can I do for you? Look, Mr. Peterson, I don't want to take up too much of your time. That robbery from last night sounds completely unsolvable, and I was just hoping that I could talk to you today and maybe get access to the letters. 
Ah, okay. That's easy. We just need you to fill out a form. What? Really? Jesus Christ. That's it? Ah, what what the fuck was last night for, then? What what was last night? Oh, uh, nothing, nothing. It was a YouTube night. It was my, my YouTube night. Last night was a Tuesday, and Tuesday nights are my YouTube nights. Okay, well, just fill this out. Should take a week or two to process. Uh, hey, Rutherford, uh, before you go, I have a question. Uh, do you ever use dating apps? Mm, no, no, not really. But I'm conventionally attractive with a good personality, so I might not be the person to ask. Why? Well, I've been trying them out for a while, but... The dates I get always turn out to be serial killers posing as women online. Which is great for my rest quarter, don't get me wrong, but I hate sleeping alone. <laughs> I was thinking I could maybe expedite that paperwork if you'd help me with my profile. After spending the day assisting Officer Peterson with his police work, I finally got the letters. Hmm, well, let's see. I'm I'm really into the Muppets. Uh, their humor's a little twisted, but I like that. Oh, I'm also a member of the Church of Scientology. Sh should I put that in there? Yes, absolutely put that in there. But I think the real problem that we're having here is that none of your pictures seem to show off any bulge. Now that I had the letters, I could finally start my investigation. But first, we have to set the scene. The year is 1973. Notorious ladies man Elton John is tearing up the charts with his latest hit, Honky Cat. Sanford and Sons is one of the top-rated shows in America, despite white audiences completely missing the point of nearly every episode. America is divided over the Roe v. Wade decision. Now, I'm obviously not qualified to discuss Roe v. Wade at length, so I won't. But having said that, I just want to say that... Hey Rutherford, our editor played the Roe v. Wade rant for me. The poor kid is an intern. You didn't have to put them through a 40-minute tirade. What was all that stuff about the end of days and flying demons? So you know what? No, no, no. Do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. That's God's business, okay? That's between you and God. I'll just, I'll, st I'll stay out of it, okay? I won't say anything. Mm. Oh, fuck. <sighs> anyway. In Salmonville, 1973 brought a number of changes. Former Mayor Jeff Lamond unveiled his new dog racing track, as well as two more prisons. Now, despite Salmonville's relatively small population size of about 2,000 people, there are four high-security prisons within city limits. Salmonville also welcomed a new local anchorman, Chet Firestorm, who quickly dominated the town's news ratings. His first week was so successful that he signed a lifelong contract with the studio, ensuring that he would become the most trusted man in all of Salmonville. After a five-minute fistfight with the chef, the unidentified man sat down and finished his breakfast. And that'll do it for us today here at Salmonville News 5. I'm Chet Firestorm. Have a good night, everyone. <laughs> yeah! We love you, Chet Firestorm! I love you too, Boombite Guy. Oh, <laughs> you guys, you don't need to throw your underwear at me. I'm not a rock star. <laughs> wow, Dylan. Is this a size medium? I told you that diet would pay off.
While Firestorm was reporting the news, mayoral candidate Jason McCaffrey was making it. McCaffrey was the first Salmonville candidate to run for mayor that was not directly related to Jeff Lamond. McCaffrey, in his early 30s, was particularly popular with young voters, primarily because of his willingness to criticize Lamond and to do cocaine in public with his supporters. I spoke with town historian Lester Stanby about McCaffrey's campaign. Uh, McCaffrey... McDonald's campaign really took the town by surprise. He really wanted to take the town into a new direction... Uh, he campaigned on ridiculous things like recycling, uh, investing into the arts, turning at least one of the four prisons in town into a food bank. I mean, seriously, the guy was a fucking asshole, idiot. Uh, Rutherford, you might pass me that gin. I, I don't know, man. I, I really, I feel like you've had enough. And again, we're on a Zoom call, Lester. I'm not going back to your house. Your dog bit me last time. You'll fucking know when I've had enough. Jesus Christ, man, you just you just threw a glass at your computer. I'm not in the room. Yeah, and next time, you won't be so fucking lucky. Okay, alright, I won't be so lucky. Thank you, Lester. McCaffrey is heard here in a stump speech made just two months before his untimely death. You know, back in 1962, I was splitting a joint with my cousin, John Francis Kennedy, and he told me two things. One, he said, Jason, bullets... Only hurt you if you let them. And two, small town government is the backbone of this nation. And I never forgot those wise words. And I dedicated my life to them. And now, I can't promise you I'll be as great of a leader as my cousin John Francis Kennedy was. But I can promise you this, without a shadow of a doubt, he was actually my cousin. No matter what any damn blood test says. My cousin Jack brought Irish Americans to the forefront of this great nation, and I vow to keep us there. McCaffrey's campaign was a thorn in the side of Jeff Lamond. I spoke with his granddaughter, Beatrix. Oh, don't even get me started on that man. He built his political bones by attacking my poor defenseless grandfather with with rhetoric about renewable energy and universal health insurance. I mean, this guy wanted to turn one of the prisons into a food bank, like Christ. And he was just so Irish. Can I say that? Just like way too Irish. The Lamont family are Irish too, a fact we have apologized for profusely, but we never flaunted it the way McCafferty did. It's sad what happened to him, but I don't want to speak of that man any further. McCaffrey's campaign threatened to disrupt the political landscape of the town even before he became the fixture of the letter writer investigation. In 1973, Salmonville is already going through a bunch of changes. Even before the letters, many residents considered the year to be the most eventful they'd had since the beginning of the Vietnam War, where Salmonville threw a parade for both American troops and the Viet Cong forces on back-to-back days. But then, on June 12th, 1973, the first letter came. That day in 1973 was like any other. Sally Johnson woke up went to work at her job as the head of the Salmonville Treasury, posted her husband's bail, and was home by five. But then, 
She went out to her mailbox. Oh, I was really anxious to get the mail that day. It was a Wednesday, which meant that the TV guide was coming in. I don't much care for television, but I really do love reading the short synopses in the TV guide. That way I get to know the story without having to listen to blonde people talk. When I get to the mailbox, I find this white envelope. It has my name on it, but no return address, sender, or even any postage. I open up the letter and a bunch of golden glitter falls out. There was, like, a lot of glitter. The amount of glitter that a child or someone who sells homemade herbal supplements would think is appropriate. And that's not an appropriate amount. Johnson might not have known it at the time, but this letter was the start of one of the darkest periods in Salmonville's history. I've hired a voice actor to narrate the never-before-seen-or-heard letters, and he has agreed to work for exposure under the condition that I list his name and information, something that I will do later if I get to it. Mrs. Johnson, I am writing this letter today to inform you that you are not as smart as you think. In fact, I have proof. For years now, you have been redirecting tax funds for Salmonville into your own accounts. I can prove that you've spent at least $15,000 of taxpayer money on your pet rock collection. I can also prove that you've redirected another $7,500 to purchase assault rifles from a communist fringe group. If you wish to keep these things a secret, Await further instructions. Truthfully yours, the Salmonville Letter Writer. P.S. How does the Salmonville Letter Writer sound as a bad guy name? I think it's good given the context, but I really want to grab people's attention. Talk soon. Uh, okay, I like that take. Um, seriously though, please include my information. Uh, my name is Justin. Sally Johnson insists she had nothing to worry about, but that day she still chose to call her boss and explain the situation. Well, my boss was already upset that day, you see. I had accidentally knocked over his chia pet, you see, which he said he loved more than his infant son, you see. So I wasn't looking forward to the call, you see, but I knew I had to be transparent, you see. And how did your boss take that information? Well, he said that he hadn't suspected any wrongdoing on my part, but the specific nature of the letter now made him wonder if I was stealing money. And what did you say? I said, Oh, fuck! Thinking I had already hung up the phone, but he heard that too. Sally was ready to mark off the letter as a strange anomaly, but would soon realize that it would be anything but. I will speak again with Sally, who's now a lobbyist in the Rhode Island State Senate, at a later date, but I, I truly, I could not stand another second talking to her. Have you ever even seen a pet rock before? Uh, yeah, it's, it's just a rock with a name, right? No, it's much more than that. Mm -hmm. I wish more people would understand. I have the largest pet rock collection in the country. Oh. And all of them have specific names and personalities okay. that I've assigned them, like God onto humans. This one, for example, is named Zach Braff, because I do not particularly like or trust this rock.
The day after Sally Johnson received her letter, a new unsigned letter appeared in another Salmonville residence mailbox. This time, it arrived at the home of Kathy Stanford, a school bus driver that lived with her older sister, Tanya. I had just gotten home from my usual shift. I made it a habit to stop by my house to check the mail before I headed off to the dog track because Tanya rarely gets off of her recliner. She had actually just gotten a working toilet installed, so if I didn't get the mail, no one would. Tanya passed away recently. I miss her every day. No, I didn't! Stop telling people I'm dead! He's talking to me, Tanya, not you! Turn the TV volume up! Like Johnson's letter, Kathy's was filled with golden glitter and a small, handwritten note. Alright, in Rutherford, just for your note, this is the point where you put in the voice actor's name. Miss Stanford, this is the Salmonville letter writer. Heard of me yet? <laughs> well, you will. Have you placed any good bets lately? I've seen you at the dog track. You sure are spending a lot of time there. I recognize you as the woman who is constantly saying words I don't feel comfortable writing down. Now your gambling problem is your own. I wouldn't take any issue if you weren't risking the lives of every child in Salmonville to place your next bet. That's right. I know you've been leaving your students in the bus so you can place bets at the dog track. The principal might believe that your tardiness is a result of Salmonville traffic, but I'm not so easily fooled. Granted, you are clever. Covering the bus and students with a tarp? Crafty. But not crafty enough. If you wish for this information to be kept a secret, keep an eye out for my next letter. Truthfully yours, the Salmonville Letter Writer. Okay, and once again, my name is Justin. I was confused when I first read the letter, mainly because I'd only ever heard the word tardiness pronounced, but never seen it written down. Once I figured that out, I was concerned for a moment. I haven't worked as a bus driver for over a decade now, so I don't mind admitting this. Letter was right. I had a real problem with gambling back then, one I couldn't really keep under control. A lot of people in Salmonville were dealing with that, but uh, what I know for sure is that every school bus driver in town would be at the track every morning. But after a while, I figured that the letter must have been some sort of prank from the other bus drivers. We loved to prank each other. One time we convinced a driver named Randy that his wife was gonna come back. <laughs> So the next morning at the track, after I had muzzled the children and tarped the bus, I asked the other bus drivers about the letter. They didn't know a thing. Then I got worried. Kathy went about her business, hoping that the letter was a fluke. But it wasn't. Could you imagine if it was, and, and you listened all the way up to this point, and found out that there were only two letters? That would be absolutely fucking ridiculous. Honestly, if that was true, I would just write the letters and, and, and come up with the story myself. I don't like thinking about this too much, if I'm being honest. A lot of painful memories attached to that time in my life. I'm a lot happier now that I have my habit under control. I still gamble, but not for money. I breed dogs now. Every now and then I mix two very different breeds together and take bets on how many legs it's gonna have. Two letters in two days. It didn't take long before word spread around Salmonville. Town historian and vicious alcoholic, Lester Stanby. 
Well, back in 1973, and even today, uh, the news cycle in Salmonville is unbelievably small. Pretty much nothing goes unreported here. Like last week, the news station ran a segment on a local teenager finally losing his virginity. They did a four-part series on that. That's two hours. I, I guess he wasn't very good at it. Anyway, the story of the Salmonville letter writer was picked up uh, the town the day after Sally Johnson received her first letter. The paper seemed to fixate. Uh, more on the fact that the town treasurer was a woman. I think it's still technically illegal in the bylaws for women to do math. But a lot of people were upset by that. But still, many of the town residents were enamored with the letter writer and who it could possibly be. The last thing Sally Johnson wanted was public knowledge about her letter. I remember when that story first hit the press. I was mortified. Apparently, when I had called my boss, he was being interviewed by a local reporter who heard everything. It wasn't front-page news, though. Someone in town had just gotten a new cat, so most of the coverage was dedicated to that. Even if it wasn't the day's biggest news, Salmonville residents were starting to hear about the letter writer. Most residents wrote the event off as some strange fluke, including Donald Hemsworth, the town butcher. Yeah, I read about the letters in the paper that day. I thought it was a prank. We have a lot of rowdy kids around here, so it didn't seem like a stretch to me at the time. I, I really I didn't think too much about it. Those days, I could only really think about the meat. Running that deli, the best time of my life. Donald Hemsworth was a town favorite. He'd moved to Salmonville in 1967, and after procuring a loan with Jeff Lamond, opened up the town butcher shop. Oh, I loved Salmonville from the start. The atmosphere, the people, the smell of the dirty, dirty prisoners working in the field like animals. I will say, I thought it was weird Lamond wanted me to sign the loan disclosure in my own blood, but I was the new guy, so I didn't say anything. I felt right at home, and thankfully, the business took off like a friggin' rocket. Donald's Butcher Shop is among the most successful businesses in Salmonville, despite it solely being responsible for three separate E. coli breakouts in the town. Look, I am drunk enough to say the truth. Everyone in town loved Donald because he's just like, he's so fucking hot. I mean, seriously, he's like cheat on your soulmate, kind of hot, like he's in his 80s now, but still, he's like 100% fuckable. Absolutely beautiful man, experienced. It's true. Donald was so attractive that I could barely look at him in the eyes while conducting our interview. I never understood why people cried looking at art until I met Donald. It's hard to put into words just how attractive that man is. Yeah, everyone in this town is really nice. I love it here. Donald received a letter on June 15th, 1973, two days after Kathy received hers. Oh, yeah, I remember that day pretty well. The letter was the only mail I got then. I was originally really freaked out because it was covered in blood, but then I remembered that I was actually covered in blood because I had to kill some goats to fill a steak order. Wait, no, uh, I don't I don't use goats. Um, I, I killed uh, a, a cow? A, a cow. Yeah, I kill cows to make steak. No other animal. Donald Hemsworth is the only letter recipient to have never been directly threatened by the letter writer. Quite the opposite, actually. Mr. Hemsworth, before I write my message, I want to let you know that the pork chops I bought last month were so fantastic. Almost as mouth-watering as you. 
You've probably heard about me by now, but don't fall into the trap so many others in this town have fallen into. I'm not the bad guy, Mr. Hemsworth. I'm just like you, a simple hero. There is so much deceit in this town, so much anger. I am here to take it all away. I want to make this town safe for you. Maybe then, you and I can finally have our day. Lustfully yours, the Salmonville Letter Writer. Honestly, the letter was pretty nice. I was touched. Everyone around here has always been so nice to me, but this one was especially sweet. I reported the letter to the police once I realized this was connected to the letter writer case, but I, I sort of wish I hadn't. That's the kind of letter you want to show to your mommy. I hadn't heard a thing Donald said. I was too lost in his eyes. But there was one thing about his letter that stood out from the previous two. I guess the strangest thing about the letter was the fact that the writer included a Polaroid photo of his ass. Like, bare ass. It was sort of surprising, and it kind of looked like he had some sort of cyst on there. Uh, really, really gross, you know, but he was putting himself out there. So I didn't tell the cops about that part. Didn't want to, you know, kick a guy while he was down, right? Donald showed me the ass photo, and frankly, it was pretty jarring. I had never seen anything like that in my life. I had always been under the impression that every ass was more or less the same, but this one was just fundamentally broken and disgusting. At one point, while looking at the photo with a magnifying glass, I threw up. There was blood in it. So there we are. Three letters in four days. By the time Donald received his letter, the mystery of the Salmonville letter writer was beginning to grow in the town's consciousness. Many worried that their secrets could be leaked to the public. Others worried that the last letter could mean that Donald would soon be off the market. One thing was for certain. People wanted to know who the letter writer was and if they were telling the truth. Randy Peterson, the newest detective in the Salmonville PD at the time, was assigned to the case. Well, I was about 15 years old when I joined up in the Salmonville Police Force. High school wasn't really working out. Thankfully, Salmonville had just funded a program that placed unsuccessful students directly into the police academy. Anyone in the program was exempt from taking written exams and de-escalation training, so I was basically taught how to shoot a gun and assigned to the force. I stood out quickly as I was the first officer in Salmonville history to have not had a lengthy record of DUIs upon being hired. <laughs> I was wide-eyed and ready to make a difference. When I got assigned the case, I, I couldn't really make heads or tails of the letters, mainly because I was not what people call conventionally literate at that point in my life. But after my secretary read them to me, oh, I just had a feeling in my gut that told me I'd be dealing with this for a long time. The police would soon issue a statement confirming their investigation into the letters. When I published that statement, I recommended that the letter writer grow a sack and do his blackmail directly. At the end of the day, hiding behind the pen is a huge act of cowardice. That's why I don't trust the media. Peterson began his investigation the best he could, but had little to go on. They could not match the letter writer's handwriting to any known criminals in the area. 
They were unable to find out how the letter writer had such information. The recipients of the letters were not much help either. Were they hiding something? Now, Sally Johnson didn't speak to me at all. There's a lot of crap out there about how I wouldn't cooperate with the police. That simply was not true. I respect the rule of law. I disrespect my wants and desires over the needs of others. And I truly just wanted to forget the situation and focus on my beautiful, beautiful rocks. A collection that, I might add, was curated with my own money. I understood where she was coming from. I don't like cops too much either. But I chalk that up to a generally low sense of self-worth and... A number of messy, messy divorces. Next up, I talked to Kathy Stanford, who wasn't much help either. I remember that cop. He's still working, right? Well, he used to ride my bus, so we knew about the trips to the dog track. Thankfully, I had caught him selling his dad's Xanax to students on the bus, so we were kind of at a standstill on that front. I gave him my statement in the letter, but didn't hear back for a while. Be sure to tell the podcast man about the new business I just started. Tanya, reviewing public bathrooms on Google is not a business. Not with that attitude. Lastly, I interviewed Donald Hemsworth. Uh, He didn't give me much information, but he sure did help me a lot. Yeah, I remember Officer Peterson. Good kid. Terrible cop. We ended up, you know, just talking about life. He really opened up to me. I tried to give him whatever wisdom I had. Uh, Oh, I also gave him my copy of the first Velvet Underground record, which he really seemed to like a lot. Man, I I hope he got his life sorted out. Uh, he did not. Aw, man. Yeah, it's too bad. Donald, are you doing anything after this? I would just love to talk to you some more. The Salmonville PD was at a standstill. The town wanted answers. And the letter recipients were on their toes, hoping that they'd soon forget about what had happened to them. Little did anyone know... These three letters were just the beginning. The next target of the Salmonville letter writer would be mayoral candidate, Jason McCaffrey. Salmonville, I pledge to you today that I will not be corrupted like the rest of this town government. I will clean it up, clean it up the only way an Irishman could, with coarse hands and a sharp tongue. Please, show up, vote. And if anyone asks you, it's a proven fact that I am a Kennedy. Don't believe me? Well, how about someone comes up onto this stage and brings a pound of cocaine and I'll show you how much of a Kennedy I fucking am. There is no evidence to suggest that McCaffrey was related to the Kennedys in any way, shape, or form. Upon finally reading the first batch of Salmonville letters, I'm left with more questions than answers. Who was the letter writer? Were they the one that sent the letter to Reverend Malconi? Do I really care? I don't know, but I'm here, so I might as well find out. Next time, we go back to 1973 and dive into the next batch of letters. We'll also sit down with the mayor of Salmonville, Mayor Henderson, who'll give us his take on the letter writer situation. The letter writer is a dark strain on the otherwise wonderful tapestry of Salmonville history. I fought the letters, not Salmonville. Uh, really sorry, Mr. Mayor. I think your connection is bad. Do you mind saying that again? Motherfucker! God fucking!
fucking damn it! What the fuck am I paying for? This laptop is fucking worthless! Ah. This situation is so topical right now! Did you just punch your screen? Hey, Rutherford! How about you shut your fucking mouth right now? Oh my god! I swear to fucking god, I will kill you! I am the law of this town! We'll also be following up on Officer Peterson's search for love. Hey, Rutherford, uh, this lady here says she's a furry. Does that mean she likes animals? Yeah, I'm like 90% sure that means she works at an animal hospital. I'm Rutherford Winchester, and this is the Salmonville Letter Rep. Hello? Hey, it's the hotel manager again. Did you leave a damn rat at my desk? Yeah, one second. This is the Salmonville Letter Writer. The Salmonville Letter Writer's artwork is done by graphic designer Haley Mulvey. You can contact her on Instagram for commission work at HaleyMulvey underscore design. The Salmonville theme is written and performed by Max Shulkov. You can find him on Twitter at Carl Maximilian. This week's episodes includes Miles Brennan on Twitter at MilesSucks, Jack Hamelberg at FoxyFlapjack, Al Christakis at Al Christakis, Alex Lennon-Simon at SheLickyBookie, Sarah Fristo at Rodent Sheriff, Neil Linsky at Neil Linsky, Alex Forrest at Hitch Will Smith. Alex and Neil have started a new webcomic named People of Beer, which you also can follow on Twitter at People of Beer. Patrick Doring at Lunch underscore Enjoyer. You can check out Patrick's podcast, Podcast About List, or his independent film, Jexy, wherever you stream your movies. Jamie Loftus at Jamie Loftus Help. You can check out her current podcast miniseries, Lolita Podcast, anywhere you get your podcasts. And Grace G. Freud at Grace G. Freud. You can also check out her new podcast, Competitive Literature, wherever you get your podcasts. Lastly, Carter Hambly, who also provided additional writing for the episode, at Carter Hambly. My name is Ben Loftus. I write the podcast. I play Rutherford Winchester. And I'm an all-around great fucking guy. We won't be releasing a new episode next week as I have to go to Washington to protect my frat brother, Joe Biden. But we will be back the week after and we will be releasing all of our episodes on Mondays from now on. Thank you so much for listening to the Salmonville Letter Writer. We'll see you next time.